Internet Radio Platform. for alleged wrongdoings of our imperial past by submitting to massive immigration into our homelands. This argument depends upon white guilt. Some of our people get a rush from indulging in ethnomasochism. But we can smash this politically correct charade simply by refusing to apologize for who we are. I'm not sorry for the colonization of indigenous peoples. After Europeans left, they went back to their third world ways. Moreover, these people create nothing new, except for dictatorship, cannibalism, poverty, and civil war. I'm not sorry for apartheid. After the native Africans took control, they slaughtered the whites in the area just as they did in Haiti. Have a look at what happened under Robert Mugabe. I'm not sorry for slavery. Every race on the planet has practiced slavery at one point or another. More whites were abducted and enslaved by Muslims than the number of blacks enslaved by whites. It was whites who founded the abolitionist movement and fought to end slavery. Today various tribes in Africa continue to enslave each other, yet they say there's only blood on the hands of Europeans. If anything, under white rule, third world countries had a higher standard of living than they could ever produce on their own. After we leave you to yourselves, what we build for you is destroyed. We are not dependent on you. If anything, you need us. I'm not sorry for the Crusades. Our ancestors courageously fought to drive Islam out of Europe. 
If it weren't for their valor, our entire civilization would be under Islamic tyranny. That same heroic spirit still flows through the blood of our people today. Ethno-nationalism among Europeans is rising in the face of invaders. I'm not sorry for imperialism. The Mongols built the largest empire in human history, but nobody suggests that they should be denied their sense of cultural and racial identity. The issue isn't that our ancestors were imperialists, it's that we were the best at it. We came, we saw, we conquered. Such allegations against the entire white world are just excuses to rob us of our once prosperous homelands. Saudi Arabia insists that Europe should take in more refugees when they're a rich oil state capable of housing millions of them. Instead of importing their own kinsmen to their country, they offer to build mosques in Germany. I'm not sorry for the alleged Holocaust. The Soviet commissars murdered at least 30 million of my people in Eastern Europe. We don't hear about these atrocities because Jews weren't the victims, but the culprits. I refuse to shed a tear for your Hollywood narrative. When the Jews fled Europe following the Second World War, they proceeded to ethnically cleanse the Palestinians to establish Israel. This displacement in the Middle East created resentment towards the Western world. The Zionists drive them out, and we have to take them in. Liberals will claim they're standing for human rights, but the minute you tell them whites have the right to self-determination, they scream, you're part of the problem thereby embracing the cultural and demographic genocide of a race that has created the very civilization they take for granted. There's no point in apologizing anyway. They merely see it as a sign of weakness and will attack you even harder. The only way to stand up for yourself and your people is to refuse to apologize. We're not sorry for what our ancestors did. We're not sorry for who we are today. No apologies, no regrets, no doubt, no compromise. We're not sorry. Oh, hello, everybody. It's a very scary day today. It's the first day of a Black History Month. Oh, a very scary. Rose of Coffee, Rose of Criminal uh, Getaway with Murder. Because the judge is saying, Oh, you kill someone? What are you doing in February? What are you doing in February? And you're Black. It's a Black History Month. That's uh, okay. Black History Month is like a purge for the black people around to go around do whatever they want go. Joe Floyd, Joe Floyd, Joe Floyd, Joe Floyd, Joe Floyd. This is uh, too, too much for me, but I personally I celebrate the Black History Month by a drink of grape juice. It is February 1st, and all month long we're celebrating the contributions and honoring the legacy of black Americans nationwide and right here in Metro Detroit. Seven Acts News reporter Kara Hay kicks off our coverage by coloring in the blank spaces at a local museum. This is Sherry Savage. Yes, Savage is her real name, and it's fitting. An entrepreneur, illustrator, graphic designer, and proud Detroiter. Her latest project, an interactive museum, where people can engage with the art by coloring it. The rotating gallery featuring local artists with budding artists, both young and old, adding their colorful spin to the black and white murals. This month, the exhibit is dedicated to Black History Month, with Savage's illustrations meant to trigger thought, like this mural of LeBron James. And now a word from our sponsor. Doing my shoe beats. I, I saw you put your father the way 
turn all day make sound some song. And he has some new shoes called Shoe Beats. Power on. So we're gonna play a little tune for you guys. Nigga boy, 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 boy. All the shine of all the bank and hang with nigga boy, nigga boy, nigga boy. Housewives know there's nothing holds a candle with nigga boy, nigga boy, nigga boy. Nigga boy still best in the business. Best a lady ever had. A nigga boy shine is the shiniest shine. Thanks to Anna soap in every bag. Bo, 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 what's the brand that everyone demands it? Nigga boy, nigga boy, nigga boy. And what's the gentlest cleaner on your hands? What do you know? That you're a musician. But that's why I'm interviewing you today, so I can get to know you. So I'm a musician? Mm-hmm. What the fuck that mean? Make magic or something? What is musician? I think that's... I think you're confusing that. Yeah, I'm not no musician. I, I make music. I make I, music. I, and that's not all I do. I make music. I act. I'm a TV star, too. A young mom. Uh-huh. I, just really quick, I think you're confusing. I'm not confusing nothing because I, you, you don't know. I, you thought that all I was was a magician or whatever the fuck you said. See, that's what I think you think I said. No, I said musician, I not what, magician. I don't think, baby. But I don't think. What I, is that? That's ghetto. I don't think. I know. So you, you think. I didn't say magician, Suki. I said musician. And I think you are a musician. No, baby, I do music. So you, just really, just really quick, for the record, could you say you don't think you're a musician? I'm not none of that. But then after that, you just said, I do music. Yeah, I do music. So, in other yeah. words, you're a musician. No, I'm not. Okay. Would you, would you can live in peace and friendship side by side in separate nations and separate developments. But we cannot have the mix-up of peoples and races who are widely different and divergent. It will lead to nothing but trouble. He beats her. He abuses her. He cheats on her. He lies to her. He steals from her. He's given her sexual diseases. He'll get her pregnant and leave her. Her children will be violent savages. And she deserves it all because she's a race-mixing traitor. Burn the coal. Pay the toll. This public service announcement has been brought to you by Black Crimes Matter. At Ring, we're changing the way we look at home security. From video doorbells that see when anyone steps on your property, security cameras with lights, alarms, and motion sensors, to connected lights that create a ring of security around your home. A traditional alarm system that's anything but traditional. With intelligent sensors throughout the home, connected to cameras inside and out. Professional monitoring and 911 response. This is home security like never before. Ring is a whole new way of protecting your home and property. Ring Neighborhoods takes security beyond the home and connects you to what's going on in your neighborhood. A new neighborhood watch for the digital age. Layering smart, proactive security throughout your home and around your neighborhood. Welcome to the next generation of home security. White America, wake the fuck up. 
White America, wake the fuck up. Welcome to episode number 207 of the Sane Asylum. It is February 12th, and remember, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children because the beauty of the white Aryan women must not perish from the earth. So let me introduce, uh, first off, a shout out to Black Crimes Matter. I played three of his different different uh, comedy skit uh, fake commercials, and the guy's just a genius. He's so good. So well done, Black Crimes Matter. I know they're taking you down from various sites, but we here at Speak Free Radio and the Giuseppe Video Network will always regularly play your stuff. So you got you're going to have a home here. All right, welcome Northern Nevada Paul and Davis Lehrman, my co-hosts, uh, my white co-hosts on Base Monday. And so um, start with Paul. Paul, you're a little heartbroken. I know you're a lifelong 49ers fan, and that was, uh, they 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 just got, could have done it, but they didn't do it. Um, present and accounted for, uh, ready for duty. Um, thanks again for have me once again. I have a rant on those um, on that subject. Maybe a little bit later. It's still in the holster, but well, these clips that I saw were, were precious. Now I'd seen some of them before, and I want to comment on the one where the black uh, the the ghetto queen uh, insists she's not a musician. <laughs> Is that unbelievable or what? Well, yeah. I had seen that, and I, I, I thought to send it to you, but it was already all over the internet. I figured you'd be on top of it, and you and you were as usual. Right. But I swear to effing God, I have had conversations like that with blacks, uh, including like a, a, a black coworker one time and a, and a black friend of mine. I mean, very, very similar where once they land on on whatever it is they got in their head, right? Right. You, you're trying to break through with like, oh, wait a minute, let's deconstruct this just for a second. I just want you to know they so much resent it when you try to define the terms, right, or yeah. define a word for them or to tell them or teach them, okay, no, wait, you're not pronouncing that right or whatever. It's, this is the infuriating thing about fucking blacks, especially in America. Some of the African blacks may be more open because they haven't been uh, brainwashed with this like white oppression, you know, victimization complex they all fucking have. But I swear I've had conversations along those lines and you literally just want to pull your hair out and go, you are the dumbest fucking race on the planet. Good God. Well, you know, I have to be honest and I agree with you, but I think much like because of the Jew poisoning and glyphosate, we now have an autism spectrum. I think there's also now a, a groid spectrum and that young lady was full groid. I mean, unbelievably stupid she boon. So Davis Lehrman, what do you think? Cause I know plenty of intelligent blacks, uh, and, but I know more stupid blacks trending towards the full-on groid on the spectrum so davis your thoughts on what paul just said well this comes back to the similar distinction to when we discussed the joos frankly because there is such a thing as the blacks and there's such a thing as all blacks and of course you know we we realize that universals uh, are always going to get you at the exception. Ooh, well, I've met some blacks. But the point is not even this. It's just when we discuss the blacks, what we mean is, in the aggregate, are these people worth interacting with? So do you want to live next to the blacks? And then some libertarian will tell you that there's a Negro economist somewhere who has a gated community home and wouldn't you like to live? Yeah, but that's not that's not the blacks. 
What we mean is these people are frustrating, stupid, arrogant, and then not worth dealing with. It's fine if we all know some black guy who's all right, whatever. That has nothing to do with it. The question is, what can you get from a black person that you couldn't just ordinarily and otherwise get from a white person and it would be better? The answer is everything. You can get everything from a white person that is better than dealing with a black. They run around calling our beautiful women Karens. Oh, a Karen. Oh, the Karen dares to demand to live in a society that functions with people not due to mumble at her through their suitcase handle Vaseline lips. She demands to speak to a manager when some negress at the counter is clicking her nails and staring at her with an attitude. Oh, the Karen. The Karen demands to live in a functioning society. Oh, yeah, she's the problem. Right. Okay. This is what you get when you put niggers on a shelf. They're on the mantle. And so now our beautiful women are Karens, and they have to be up beneath the uh, tall, spiked heel of the Negress. Screw that. And, uh, you know, of course, it doesn't, ha- it, it doesn't have to be said that they don't even come up with their own, you know, terms or, or memes or way of looking. It's implanted in their heads by the Jews, and they just reiterate, they parrot. Um, I'll, I'll just add a little addendum to this. So as an example, I, I remember very distinctly uh, a few years ago when I was a security guard at this one place and uh, it was one of these places that had two guards on shift and did this kind of like rotating patrol. One guy was in the office. Anyway, I got into this discussion with I normally like this guy. We were on good terms as well as a, a black guy, you know, a bi- big fellow, actually. And uh, something came up about. Um, you know, uh, electromagnetic fields and, you know, this, the effects that they have on us. And, you know, I'm the kind of guy I tend to inform a little bit if I can, or if the moment arises. And so I was trying to tell this guy why in his home with his child and his wife and whatever, because he actually uh, had a, he was, you know, one of these blacks that was viable in the economy, right? Uh, he had uh, Wi-Fi routers, right? Which, you know, everybody has for, you know, in the main and, you know, it's, I can, I get it. But if you're just going to be using a desktop and or laptop, uh, you should have an Ethernet cable and have the Wi-Fi uh, disconnected or not working. When oh, you yeah, don't. it's better to run it direct for sure. Yeah. Right. So I was trying to explain this difference to him. And it's like I couldn't make it because he would... First of all, he was a little bit like a belligerent, and then he just – I was trying to say, okay, look, it's a difference between having like a little mini cell tower in your house versus a cell tower that's many, many miles away because really that's all these Wi-Fi routers are. Basically, they're a broadcaster, if you will, uh, in your own home. But it's like, okay, well, they're in the – okay, the signal comes in the air, right? It's in the air. I go, well, yes. You know, he kept trying to box me in with this, like, right, in, right. The, yeah, yeah. in the in the air. And I, 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 it just goes, just answer. They're in the air, right? I go, yes. He goes, okay, well, then just shut the fuck up. And now I had already told him earlier when I was trying to tell him the difference and just some of the, the brief uh, research highlights that had come mostly out of Scandinavian Europe because here this research into negative effects of electromagnetic fields is not done. It's not funded. It's not funded. Right, right. Anyway, anyway, uh, I told this guy earlier in the conversation, "Hey, shut your pie hole and let me let me explain it to you." And I think he took offense at that. And of course, he became aggressive. And just like this one broad right here, like, "Okay, wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't think no, that's ghetto. I know." It's like I swear to God, you could take that and apply it to a certain percentage of blacks, and it would be far too high. 
for us to not want to separate from them, which I think is ultimately it has to occur if we're going to survive. All right. Hey, gentlemen, yeah. if I might yeah. jump in, I, I want to state the obvious because it might have been lost on someone that the Negress thought this white, this beautiful white girl said magician. Right, we all realize. <laughs> That's right. And then she corrects her and she won't listen to the correction. You know, you, yeah. you think I said, even when she says, you think I said. Did you have magic? Yeah. But, you know, you play music, right? So you're a musician. She's like tr teaching her like a kindergarten teacher teaches a five-year-old. And, right. and that, that she boon was so hubristic, so sure of herself and so effing it's stupid. Yeah, there's a, a there's a way a term I'll apply to it, which I think we've all experienced. It's a sort of an aggressive, pointless defiance. Where they oh, that's just, a great phrase. Yeah, yeah, aggressive. Yeah, violence. they just yeah. have they just have to let you know, Whitey, that don't you be thinking, don't you be thinking, you know more than me. Oh God. Yeah, that's Here, right. We let, are. Let me play this clip real quick, Davis. Here's another. This this. Uh, Shibun is a mulatta, half half Shibun, and the other half, who knows? But the stupidity runs rampant. But check this out. Usually, I don't agree with napkin Americans, but in the case of this plantation, Barbie, I agree. I would never call you napkin American to your face. I would probably go with something like rice rascal, no purpose flower, chalk child. Chalk child is a personal favorite. I love using that one. What about lice lieutenant? Do you prefer lice lieutenant? When do you have lice? Walking ranch. That's the one for you. You are a walking ranch. Yeah. Unbelievable. Stupid. Wow. Comedian. Yeah. Mulata. Yeah, really, really. Uh, yeah. You see her nose? She's at least 10% Jewish, this bro. Oh, without a doubt. Absolutely. This is what makes, that's what really makes her dangerous. She's got high verbal IQ with all of the negress uh, accoutrements. It's yeah. a real problem. Real problem. And and notice she's got what they call the problem glasses. When you see a kinky-haired, <laughs> mulattis negress with 10% Jew coming at you, oh, brother, you are either about to be accused of racism, burning a witch, or some other nonsense. Oh, they're always the worst. And they go on and on. And she'll start citing things that she heard in her, in her college courses. Right. You know, and it's supposed to impress you. And, and not to go down a fashion lane here, but yeah, okay, this hair thing is just out of control now. It's like the thing about blacks as opposed to whites, for example, is blacks will follow any uh, ridiculous, stupid, off-putting uh, you know, trend in some kind of perception of defiant fashion that just boggles the mind. And we've all seen now these like, kind of weird medusa dreadlocks or these little like you know multi uh you know braided ringlets that they're a lot of these blacks are wearing or the what i call that the haystack where it's almost like they bind a big uh like the center and then they have all, at the top of their head like a i don't know like a like a tree sprouting right and then all the 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 dreadlock braids come out it just it's like do you know how ridiculous you look how stupid you look with your hair but the, they all start weeping, to do it. Weeping willow on their head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and now, by the way, too, I just recently watched a video uh, that was sent to me of uh, one of the things that California is proposing to do. Okay, this is like sort of 
combination of like black history and also this reparations debate and of course california is leading the way with the re- with the reparations bs which i predict okay will never fully get in put into uh law oh, or of course funding. not they can't afford it yeah but one of the things they want to do is to make it unlawful for uh, athletic coaches of any state-funded institution be it high school junior college whatever to any coaches to require uh grooming or hair standards of any of their black students unreal yeah, exactly. So it's more catering to the blacks. Yes, well, and what is the like political endpoint of this? Like, where does this thing shunt off and seal off? It's someone's just going to have to sack up and tell them, uh, no, I'm not about the Fed post. What I'm about to say is something entirely different, I think. What we need to do is not just uh, sort of illuminate the contradictions of the system when it comes to the all-powerful JOOs. I think we need to do more. We need to also go to the blacks and say, great, it sounds like dealing with us, you know, you've seen these black women, it's exhausting. i got to deal with white people. It's so damn exhausting. It's like, it sounds like you're exhausted. It sounds really terrible living with white people. Let's just separate, and we'll do so on the understanding that the twain shall never meet again. And then you will illuminate the contradiction of the Negro wants to hate the white, but also wants access to the white. And exactly, I think that would yeah. be helpful for most of America to see that might that might wake up some small percentage of the of the you know conservatards who still well, do their do a fair amount of Negro worship as they um, you know indulge in the neo capitalist liberalism while calling themselves right wing and conservative. And just to tag on to uh, what you just said too about the political endpoint and all this, I mean, I have probably at least uh, ten or fifteen rants in a holster at any given time for uh, where's this all going, right? And it's just worth reiterating all the time. We can all see if we're not stupid, and there are plenty of stupid people out there, but we can all see where this is going, okay? And that's for the Planet of the Apes scenario where the blacks rule over us. This is a Jew dream. They are putting it in practice in real time, okay? We can all see now, it's not a joke anymore. Black police chiefs, black mayors, black DAs, black politicians, right? This is their dream. And I remember seeing a movie, I forget the title of it, back in the 80s, but Tom Berenger was in it, and it was like shortly after, uh, or right around the same time as Platoon, you know? And he played this uh, kind of this white supremacist type uh, character with a small group, and he used the term Zog in this movie. And he talked about Zog and their nigger police, right? Right, right. And uh, in fact, I want to find that movie later after the show, and maybe pull up that clip. But yeah, th- I mean, this is again, this is nearly you know forty years ago, so. Yeah, we can all see where exactly where this is going. It's all predictable, and we got, we got to do what Jared Taylor has suggested. We have to wake the fuck up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Got another clip, fellas, that uh, I haven't watched completely, but uh, the uh, it's pretty good. Let me uh, the part I did watch. At least they're here legally. Oh, brother! Let's give them a pocket constitution too, so they know they got a little pocket constitution. So this is uh, tastefully called I Am a Nigger. So let's check it out. I said, hold on. 
in the Holocaust. She had a uh, she with Anne Hathaway and Frank Frank Beverly. Anne Frank, that's a hot bitch, ain't it? As a kid, I'm a nigger. Kaboom! I'm a nigger. 
That's really well done. Well done. Indeed. And I love yeah, I won't go to jail because the judge is a kike. I think that was one of the key phrases right there. Negro. <laughs> Classic. You know, hey, this is a great uh, guest suggestion, and this would be based if we could have him on, is the Burger King nigger man from the plane. we got to find out who that guy is. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. we gotta, <laughs> we got to give him the Congressional Medal of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> Nigga, let me tell you something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, who who created that guy? <laughs> oh, that guy is a uh, he's a bit of a, he's a bit of a LARP. He he does his videos and he uh, he fakes news segments, so it's all a joke. I'm sure he's a bit of a character in real life, but he's doing that whole that whole wait a minute, hold up, something ain't right. He does that every single video. It's a bit of a, it's what he does for a living. He does this character, so. But there are niggers that dumb. That's why he's doing it, because it's believable. You know, he'll go, uh, you know, news segments when they're transitioning to a live uh, set piece or a live spot and they're speaking to a witness. Sometimes for no reason, they'll start at the witness's hands folded and then move up. Right. Okay. What he does is he uses the same production templates they have for the border around news segments. Uh-huh. And then he has someone film his hands and then moves up, gives his testimony, and he insinuates that into the real news piece. So he re-edits and then posts them. And this is how years ago people thought this guy was actually being interviewed about things about, you know, <laughs> and, yeah, and Frankelberry and all this stuff. You know, <laughs> and Frankelberry, she's been hot, Anne Hathaway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then Anne Frankelberry, Anne Frank, Anne Frank that hiding bitch. <laughs> And, oh no, he said she a hiding bitch, isn't it? <laughs> and, yeah, and she you know, hiding bitch. This, this is the other thing too that again, it's it's worth reiterating or pointing out that this all is a celebration of dysfunction, dysfunction and ignorance. They they really it's promoted and celebrated. Meanwhile, what you know the National Socialists were about with the people here in America when they talked about eugenics was what was improvement, right? In other words, high function. Okay, achievement, art, culture, intelligence, civilization. And when you look and see the direction our society is taken, I mean, I mean, we could start with the 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 actual physical infrastructure. Okay, and just move all across society. I look at the dysfunction and the unattractiveness of the race mixing in the mulatto. We we could do a whole show one time on on just the the sin of this race mixing and the resulting mulattoes. And I use mulattoes in terms of for all, I know it's black and white mainly. Right. right? right but yeah, of course yeah, yeah. I just, I like to use the term mulatto in terms of everybody else that's mixing. And when you see the results, it's unattractive. I was, uh, I sh- Oh, where'd Paul Uh-oh. go? <laughs> he disappeared. Uh Oh, he's back. Yeah. Yeah. You dropped off a little bit, Paul. Oh, really? I'm just sitting here. Nothing happened as far as I know. Mm. Um, well, anyway, I don't know where I left off, but what I was starting to say is I, I shot a few games of pool this weekend with a buddy of mine. He goes, hey, let's go. There's a nice pool hall. So we did. And, you know, uh, of course, it's worth mentioning, as usual here in the Bay Area, that 
maybe 20% white in there, 20 to 25%, right? All the rest was other races and mixtures. Well, at the table next to ours, and there's probably, I don't know, like 20 plus tables in this place, fairly nice. There was this big, tall, gangly white guy, and he was obviously shooting pool with his daughter, all right? And this was the exact kind of guy that you see mixing with the Asians out here. He was just kind of a, you know, doofy-looking dude, and he's probably some kind of computer expert. I have no idea, right? But his daughter was, like, the worst of all because she was not white, but she was not Asian either. But she had that taint, that Asian taint that ruins a white face. And she was tall and bony like he was, okay, super skinny with, uh, you know, the, the way a lot of these Asians come out. So she basically, she probably was maybe 16, 17, something like that. And she literally had no no breasts, uh, you know, and it's just like, I just felt, I felt bad for her. Really, I did. Because, you know, she's not white and she's not Asian either. And she's just one example of what I see uh, everywhere in society when you let people do what it is they want to do oh it's my liberty my individual freedom or you don't have laws to protect your race which in my opinion is one of the smartest things that used to be done and could be done again should be done again great point great point yeah i mean this whole nonsense of every month starting with February is black history then i think there's mestizo indian history and then i think and then that leads up to the uh the uh, gruesome june with the faggots and trannies and and child raping uh, rug munchers that i think we should we got to change that from pride month to tranny or homo eat a bullet month cuz i mean literally uh the only encouraging thing you see is their suicide rates are like 10 times the normal uh, citizen of the of the former republic but it's just See? you know that's half full glass half, half full <laughs> exactly <laughs> the uh um the the thing that gets me though is that you remember in all those scooby-doo commercials there the villain would always be a mask and at the end uh shaky and scooby would ineptly force him to run towards fred the blonde-haired guy, and Fred would hold the dude with one hand and pull the uh, <laughs> pull the the hood off with the other. And the villain, in, in in reality, the villain was always the happy merchant, right? <laughs> Everything we're talking about, even though it's empowering <clears throat> these, you know, borderline human groids uh, in society, it's all being driven by the vile kike to to undermine this once white republic right or what white i'll even i mean it's never been a democracy it was not intended to be a democracy but the jew calls it a democracy but up until 1965 the government uh honored the founders rules and we were letting uh immigrants in 90 percent white 10 percent other and the other had to prove they could bring something good to the table like a really good indian restaurant or a really good uh blah 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 but, massage you know, parlor yeah really <laughs> <laughs> you want ha happy ending joel so. i swear to god <laughs> msg yeah uh, Oh, yeah. No, but <laughs> just look, I mean, it, it's fun to make fun of them, you know, but the stereotypes are real. They're all based in reality, right? Oh, I mean, right. what do the Asians yeah. bring here, right? I mean, seriously, they, I mean, the Indians, they're out here, they're running all the gas stations and a lot of the pizza parlors, right? 
and of right. course all the all the curry smelling the small hotel chains and you know the asians are i mean there's a little there's actually a little saigon shopping center you know here and sure. there's massa- massage parlors everywhere i don't remember this many massage parlors when i was and by the way, I don't go to massage parlors. I went one time to a massage parlor, not that long ago, actually, because I really needed a massage for my back. And it was uh, past uh, past hours, so I couldn't go to a mm-hmm. chiropractor. Oh, after hours. Interesting. Yeah. In other words, it was like, what you happened, know, like Angel? Seven, seven, or, seven or eight o'clock at night. And my, my back and my neck was tweaked and I couldn't work it out myself. I go, I'm going to go get a massage. Uh-huh. So I went and I paid, I paid like 40 bucks and it was it was halfway halfway worth it. Although I got to admit, this Korean chick that gave me the massage, she had very very clumsy hands, and I actually had to tell her, "Okay, no, please do this and do that." I had to actually instruct her, and uh-huh. you know, and she did it. She kept reaching part. for the front, then yeah, that's. What but she she, she want she wanted me to strip. When I got in there, she says, "You know, take off all your clothes except maybe your underwear or something," and I just go, "No, no, it's not that kind of massage." Just, <laughs> okay, okay, okay uh-huh. what, what what do you want? anyway yeah well i want to take tree uh, uh sorry paul off the tree limb about asians of course living in california i could see why they would be a definite real life in your face problem 24 7 it'd be like living in you know queens or bayside new york and it's just korean signs everywhere so i get it however they're sort of the last on the list because uh the truth oh. of the matter is if we had the sack to just enforce laws, they'd be the first ones to self-deport because they're very much uh, in the vein of compliance. They're sort of a compliance people. And if you simply have uh, a few government agencies interface with community leadership and be like, no, 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 here's here's what it means. You have to go back or you get arrested. They'd all be gone within a week. So they are the least of our problem. Not to mention, have you ever seen Maggie Q? If you get an, uh, an Irish guy... Uh, and a Korean girl, and they have a baby called Maggie Quinn. She's a hot Asian because she's like half white. So she would get a pass into the ethno state. So my problem is not even so much <laughs> the uh, the Asians. I understand why you have a problem with them, but let's face it. They're like last on the list. It goes like kikes, niggers, on down to the varieties of brown, shitskin, mongrels, squatamalans, every other form of degenerate retard. And then last, be like, oh, by the way, uh, thanks for the railroad. Uh, get out, chinks. You know, so anyway. <laughs> hey, G-Man, uh, G- G- if I may respond briefly. Um, so, yeah, I get what you're saying. But when you tell me you understand, which is part of what you just said, I understand, Paul. But no, I said, you do not believe me unless you have seen it and lived it. Now, here's the thing. I totally get it. And by the way, Asians, for sure, would be down with us against the blacks and or the Mexicans. There's zero doubt about that. OK, they don't have any uh, they don't have any kindness or empathy to, to blacks because they've experienced them. in And uh, so but, but here's the thing, again is if you allow them, they will continue to come. You guys have probably seen the same articles mm-hmm. online and the same videos online about uh, vast majorities of Chinese that are coming across the Mexican border and so on. Right. And, you know, they'll, they will overrun you like locusts, like termites, whatever. And by the way, when you're around a bunch of them, and I've been to places here and there, and I quickly normally exit. When I first started encountering it, I wasn't as anti-Asian as I've become. Yeah. Because I've seen what it is they will do. They will buy all the real estate. Okay, they will they will buy commercial real estate, and you'll be renting from them. Right. All right. I've known I've known many people that have literally 
lived in, you know, what they call the like Chinese slumlord house or the Chinese slumlord uh, triplex and duplex where they don't fix anything and, you know, et cetera. It's that's a real thing. And, you know, the problem is, is, you know, y- yes, they're last on the list. I totally agree with that. We got we got other major issues, but they are definitely on the list. Believe me, because I have oh, seen yeah. it, experienced it firsthand. And they give you the creeps. If you're around a, a bunch, a crowd of Asians and, you know, the, there's always going to be a mixture of some are very American or American eyes right, and may- right, maybe right, others yeah. are not. But they give you the creeps. OK, they give me the creeps. Well, let me play this clip I came across uh, a few days ago, which is at first I thought it was a, a young white guy with uh, waiting for a liver transplant because his skin was yellow and jaundice. But in reality, he, listen, look, listen and look at this. We have on our hands a based chink. White people deserve a place to live and a future. Gullible white Protestant Bible belters will plug into conservative ink and be convinced to abandon their own families by the Zionist funding that hates them. Only to spend their tax dollars to annually bring illegal immigrants to storm our institutions and turn our progeny into the useful idiotic communist homosexuals that we see today. Leaving behind only suffering, death, poverty, and a world raped of its resources, alienated from the cross. Whenever any of us point out the paper trail funding behind organizations dedicated to causing societal destabilization, in the West, we're immediately smeared as anti-Semitic Nazis and find ourselves in a situation where the judge and perpetrator are one and the same. It is the greatest showcase of being a protected class when you can exercise both the power of being the aggressor and the power of being the victim, utilizing the sword of critical theory and the shield of political correctness. Because if you want to know who controls you, look at who you're not allowed to criticize. In other words, lying to your face about crimes against Jews and blaming white people. And you Trump tar boomers love eating that shit up, don't you? So while hundreds of thousands of unreported white murders continue along the southern border let's continue to keep sending our own children off to war in the middle east with zero benefit pretending there's no manipulation or agenda by the fully controlled zionist media getting orally asphyxiated by the establishment right but until the next one my boys shalom you know what's weird about that is i would expect warren baylog to do that clip not who flung poo right yeah, well, that's why they're last on the list. And Paul kind of stole my thunder because I got two points. The reason they're last on the list is not just because of my joke about Maggie Q, although she was really delicious. But um, <laughs> it's not just about that kind of offhanded joke. It's literally, strategically, uh, A, you give this system nothing. They tend to have some sort of mythological uh, war of civilizations against China in their heads. They use this as a constant distraction. When the Russia thing's not working, they move to they move to allowing the uh, right tards to talk about China. Okay? So I'm not giving this system anything by agreeing with them about Chinese being bad. I'm not going to verbalize that till much later. And second, because the Chinese, uh, or Asians in general, I should say, are, are sort of rules-based compliant, if you just tell them, like, "Hey, listen, you all have uh, you all have sheriff badges," as I'm going to give you the ominous Nobis, Nabisco crackers. I'm going to put the cross over my head. You now are all uh, deputized. Go straighten out the niggers in your neighborhood. They will go do it with gusto. Right. Yeah. So this is who you do. You can wedge the same way kikes are free to wedge uh, all sort of brown mud against the white middle, and. Uh, oppress the white classes you know we could do the same it just takes the sack it takes literally one sheriff to go deputize a bunch of chinese and asians and whatever and be like go beat the living shit out of these niggers who are killing your grandmothers and pushing your wives in front of subways it would be done in a week there'd be no niggers left in new york 
you know, and that uh, just reminds me that they became <clears throat> a, a meme, right? They, I mean, it's the, the rooftop Korean, right? Exactly. I mean, yeah. yeah. I was just going to bring that up. Yeah. I, I mean, so, so I'm not expressing any problems with the Asians until the time is right. <laughs> Believe me. Well, again, like I said, when you, when you're overwhelmed, like if Delaware was to receive like ten or fifteen million Asians, then you would immediately be going, "Oh, Paul, shit." Um, but yeah, and and here's the thing too: you can work with them. In other words, they're not stupid. You can you can work things out with them. You can come to agreements, compromises, and you know if they're not Chinese, they're honorable. I mean, everybody knows. All the other Asians know. And this is the other thing: the Asians, of course, are are, are racist themselves against other Asians, right? I mean, I was in Korea briefly. And I remember talking to uh, another American, and he'd been around uh, the the Orient for a long time. Told me the difference between everybody. He loved the Koreans. He goes, "Yeah, Koreans, they don't fuck around. You know, they're they're solid people." But yeah, the Japanese are honorable, okay, and the Koreans are also honorable and efficient. But the Chinese will steal, okay. They're right. like they're more than just intellectual property thieves, okay. Mm-hmm. So they're they're just not desirable people at all. And the problem that I've always had is I I could do math, right? I remember back in the early '90s when I really started it started to begin to slap you in the face with their numbers. And I'm thinking, okay, there's a billion plus Chinese. Hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a billion plus Indians. Hmm. You know, gee, is this going to be? Yeah, a I'm problem? just. I guess I was making the point that they're useful until a given time and uh and it's and there's no such thing in this country as you know chinese history month right so let's get back to the nigger problem (laughs) (laughs) the other thing they would probably quickly agree to is okay no more miscegenation your women will no more bed down with white men and ruin our genes and they'd probably be down with that oh okay yeah fuck yeah oh absolutely yep yep, yep. and i do want to uh just to anchor why just to transition back to the black problem is why do we have this black problem it's of course you can thank uh like sort of capitalists of the early era for all these negroes they were every nigger they brought over here would spawn and make more niggers and that in turn meant every nigger that existed from that point forward would be a balloon payment an ever increasing uh interest rate balloon payment for all future white people. So it was a curse. So these these kikes and uh, perfidious Albion whites who decided to bring niggers over here to make a dollar, curse them, uh, you know, hope they roll over in their grades and get shit on, because uh, that's who did this to us, okay? So anyone who's, I don't know, capitalism seems fine. I don't know why people talk about. Well, that's why capitalism is not fine, stupid, because right. they're willing to ruin everything for a thousand years to make a buck, you sound like a kike. I got to make a buck, so I'm gonna bring them over. Exactly. Hey, it's, it's, not on, it's not on me. I just brought them. You want to treat me like I'm the bad guy? I just brought them. You're the one who you. I mean, we use them too, but then you use them and you blame me. This is how it works. I'm just trying to make a shekel. Perfect. Fuck you, kike. That is oh, right. so great invitation. Well done. A certain people, remember this guy named Silberman, Charles E. Silberman. Everyone needs to get this book before it's torn off Amazon. It's a Jew for Jew book. It's called A Certain People. It's one of these Jews who writes a book about Jews for Jews because they're endlessly fascinated with themselves, Jews. They will write, th- there are thousands of books like this, but this one has a really great quote on page 350. And it goes like, that. it's super short. It's literally one sentence, and it's why you live on the island of misfit toys when no one, and I mean no one around you that you know who's white wants this, but here's why you're living there. 
Jews are only safe in a society acceptant of a wide range of attitudes and behaviors, as well as a diversity of religious and ethnic groups, period. That's why you live in Jew America. This is your country on Jews. Like it? Okay. If you don't like it, you got to get the country not on Jews. This is what's going to keep happening because Jews only feel comfortable on the island of misfit toys because they are misfit toys. There it is. And you can get, oy vey, what a deal. You can get the hardcover for only nine ninety. So is that what worth ordering? The deal. The deal, Mortimer. So uh that yeah, I mean that's the that's the Jew malignancy, right? They 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 fester and and metastasize into every possible arena of power, uh banking of course, academia, uh uh big agra, big pharma, government, uh NGOs, uh uh trusts, you know, uh, uh charity organizations and all of a sudden they 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 spin the narrative, and this is this is my question, you guys. How can whites be so stupid as to believe that all this this so called commitment to tiki alam to improve the world for all 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 these vile kikes are doing is 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 trying to uh, de- degenerate society into into you know mad max uh type uh, dystopian garbage that they rule over but yet all the stupid woke white libtards think oh yeah kumbaya oh we've got to help every knee every groid we've got to help every mestizo indian they just need a, a 23rd chance they just need a 69th chance and then they'll be okay so why is it that whites can't embrace the Giuseppe favorite uh, aphorism, the Russian proverb, uh, fish swim, birds fly, Jews lie, when everything these vile kikes are doing is only to serve their end goal for the Jew and no one else. Why Why can we see it so easily and the average and white now, shithead cannot? Well, I can, I, I'm tempted to play that clip. We got to get that on, on a ready to go, a drop, right, Greta? Greta going. How, how dare you? How dare? <laughs> don't don't you don't you don't know the no Jews are the humanitarian? They're the light of the world, Giuseppe. I I, I I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I can't agree with that. They're the light of the world, buddy. But that is sorry, oh, bro. God. It's not. They're not my light of the world. Isn't that just the? It's the chutzpah. It's the peak of chutzpah that as they are genociding people 24-7, they want to talk to us about how they're the light of the nations. Yeah, and these yeah. two broads on campuses are like, Jews do everything everything that's good. We do everything right. And we're just doing It's just chutzpah. We need some of that chutzpah. We just need to like charge into a room and take over like kikes do. Yeah. I, they yeah, have this moral so certitude. Yeah. How, how dare you? How dare you? Um, did you see that? Uh, I sent a clip to you, um, both your text and uh, just your email, both your emails about the, the problem with Jews is Jewish supremacy. It's really good. It's on Rumble. Mm. And mm. Uh, it actually, if you could, yeah. if, you, if you wanted to, I mean, you pro- probably got other stuff as well, Giuseppe, but this guy puts it perfectly. I mean, just the first few minutes. It's like a 13-minute clip, but just the first two or three minutes is so solid. So how did you send it to me, Paul? Uh, both text and email. Oh, great. It's easy. To hey, while you're pulling that up, I've got a, something entertaining for the folks, uh, Giuseppe G-Man, sure, while you're looking go for it, up. brother. So uh, 
when I was <laughs> very young, I was like a troublemaking youngster. In okay, addition one to one quick question, Paul, yeah. uh, is this the uh, one you just sent on Rubble that just arrived? Correct. The Jewish problem is Jewish supremacy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, sorry. Sorry. sorry Here, Dave. Let me just let me just regale people. This will be less than thirty yes, seconds. Yes. No. Please. So I used to make these uh, prank phone calls, which means I had a recording device on my phone, which meant, of course, I had to start calling these KKK lines. They used to have these uh, like war, white air and resistance and KKK lines. They'd have phone lines that would give outgoing messages. And this is how before the Internet, people would spread media amongst other means. Right. So you could call in and get a very long message about, let's say, the L.A. riots or something. Anyway, um, during the L.A. riots. Uh, white Aryan resistance, Tom Metzger's outfit, had a segment on their outgoing message that included this when he, st he spoke about seeing blacks shoot each other as he sped through the L.A. riots. Here's what he said. Nigger shot another nigger right in the melon. <laughs> that was the outgoing message. Was, I saw a beautiful sight today. A nigger shot another nigger right in the melon. Then he talked about all the black on black violence he saw as he sped through. Oh, brilliant. Anyway, so we've got to do a show about that. I've got these old outgoing messages, just audio file after audio file, and they're ancient. Sure, man, that'd be awesome. And I'm sure they're lost to history, except for some, you know, some troublemaker in between pranks calling, uh, you know, the war hotline and the KKK hotline. How, 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 dare, how dare you? How dare you? How dare, yes. How dare me? Yes. That's right, Greta. No, those things are timeless. I've I've uh, bumped into a few of those, and uh, yeah, there's you know again, you know this this the nature of people has not and will not change. The nature of the races. I mean, this is the kind of thing I've been telling people forever. Is that you know there you know oh, ten, ten forget about ten thousand years. Okay, uh, a, a million years of so-called evolution will not give us that much of an improved black. So. No, this is why even in, of course, my uh, we'll play this Jewish problem is Jewish supremacy in a moment. But uh, anyone with any knowledge of the educational system is going to quickly come to the conclusion that when it comes to test scores, there's just not enough white kids to raise the test scores. And when it comes to resources allocation, they pour, pour, pour the cash into these dumb little niglets and all you get is d pluses instead of d minuses right so instead of having a gifted talented program to make sure we have the next generation of uh geniuses doing great things in the world they close down the gifted talented program for white kids and just pour money into uh english as a second language for these squatamalan <laughs> turds that show up and they pour yeah. it into the black this and that and all you get is arrogant niggers right english as a second language and math as a colonist oppression uh, oh it's colonial oppression well, yeah i mean yeah. two plus two four is obviously no, well, so this guy we're about to play, the reason I like him, I've seen him a couple times before, is his. he's one of those guys where the subject matter is, is fine, but it's that delivery, the delivery. Angelo and Cage. The, I mean, he's a guy with yeah, and the tone. He, he can I be actually a bit had of, him on, on a show about uh, two, three years ago, and uh, did he, you? he changed his name to Lucas Cage, Cage because Cage. Uh, the, the Jews were coming after him so much. Uh, for for taking him on the first time, but before we go there, check this out real quick. This was uh, Jim Fetzer just sent this out on his email list. Democratic Rep Steve Cohen must be an Irish guy. Black. Oi, hey! Oi, hey! 
blast Super Bowl fans for not standing during Negro National Anthem. Oh. <laughs> what is that? Is that the We Shall Overcome business? Yeah, it was some bullshit. They- I thought it was we Gin and Juice. We Shall Overcome. Yeah. It was really nauseating. Overcoming, are we? So this vile child-raping uh, kike is going to lecture us and juice-plain that, that they should have stood up. Oh, is there a clip of him? I gotta hear him. Yeah, uh, people people generally ignored it, you know. And then the real national anthem came right before the game, so they gave, basically gave the the blacks a little preamble. Oh, it was just and, a, a tweet uh, right there. Oh uh, well, okay. we don't have the pleasure of hearing him. Yeah, but it's just it was a joke. Did you guys see? Why well, probably you didn't watch Davis, but Giuseppe, did you see some of the vile, like kind of weird, macabre, occultish? you know, movies that they were promoting, including one that's, I mean, they're promoting a movie now that's supposed to come out in Thanksgiving, right? And it's a, like a remake of The Wizard of Oz. And, and oh, oh with a black, uh, a the witch black, is now black, painted green. Yeah, and I'm yeah. thinking, how, what's, the, what's the psychology here? Because yeah, obviously yeah. they're making a black, the wicked witch, right? Well, okay, there's a lot going on there, right? And of course now she's green, but she's still obviously black. And then it's just all these demonic uh, imagery. It's just the same fucking bullshit every oh, year with these guys. Paul, are the flying monkeys white? Look at this one right here. L- look at this. This is this is uh, Taylor Swift hanging out <laughs> with this weird uh, mulatto uh, uh, yep. with dyed red hair. I guess this thing is yep. called oh, ice. Is that an upside down cross? <laughs> yeah. No. No. Check it out. <laughs> This thing is a Satanist. She's wearing an upside-down Satanic cross. And watch her flash a bunch of Satanic hand signs. Check this out. The Tom Metzger quote applies to her. So there which you one? Go. Yep, and again, this is the curse of the mulatto. And by the way, when I binge watch, which I do on a regular basis, uh, all these black crimes occurring, blacks getting arrested, getting tased, getting tackled for shoplifting, all all the time, I would say at least 50% of them are some version of mulattoes. Yeah. And again, the mulatto psychology has, has been well uh, understood and articulated by others. Is No matter what, they will always take the side of the black, even if they're half oh, of white, course. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's oh. like, so they identify with the under, uh, the underclass and the dysfunction. And again, they, the, the and well, it's because you, they you know all the, the other, you're white. So you're the other to them. It's hard to, it's hard for us to imagine. Right. And, but and again, I, and I've made this point before, but I really firmly believe this is they don't want to admit it, but they know that they're fucked up. Okay. They know that they're half black or they know that they're an ugly black and they're never going to be accepted. And this is why they're angry. And this is why we we have to separate from them. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So this guy's delivery is always really something I do. I do appreciate his passion. He's definitely in the fight, but I don't know. He must be smarter than he comes off in these videos. He comes off like a lunkhead and yet, He's always making very good points. So I don't know. And he's, I'm always struggling with him. And he's right, and he's should we, and should he's, we, should he's we check out the clip. Yeah, ahead, he's, jo, he's Joe. He's Joe Rogan too. He's Joe mini mini me Joe Rogan. All right, here we go. So this head looks like a toe. He's Joe Togan. <laughs> so I just took my son to school, and I'm sitting there watching him walk into the building with other children, 
And it gives me like a feeling of pride and joy of being a father on one hand. And then on the other hand, I feel like absolute crap. Because my children or my son is going in with his friends, all these young, innocent kids, they're eight, seven, five, all these young kids going into the building. And I know they're going to be safe. Meanwhile, across the world, there are children being blown to pieces. And I know they're not safe. In fact, they're not safe because my government, mine, it's not even mine, they don't represent me is using our tax dollars to blow children up. Or rather, allowing the satanic Jews in Israel blow up the kids. They're still going on about October 7th. They're still going on about the Holocaust. They're still sitting there justifying the genocide of innocent men, women, and children. Are you not sick of these people? I am so sick and tired of Jews in general. Why in general? Lucas, you have Jewish doctor, Jewish... Yeah, I do. They're not saying anything. There's not one friend of mine who's a Jew. Not one. Even my Jewish friends. Not one texted my wife, Hey, Caitlin, um, how's everything going? I, I saw Lucas's Facebook posts about death threat. I'm so sorry. that Not one motherfucker. You think I want to talk to these people again? Probably not. Instead... What do my Jewish friends do? They put an Israeli flag on their fucking profile picture. <laughs> I stand with Israel. Do you even know what's happening there? No, they don't have any idea. Hopefully they don't Hopefully have any idea. Don't. The, the best case scenario is if they have no idea what's going on. But then if they're following me, they have to see what I'm posting. Yes, they know what's going on. They can't be completely ignorant. They're not. But they're Jewish. So they're always going to side with their fellow Jews. This is the Jewish problem. They always side with their fellow Jews. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Hundred years plus later, we still have the ADL saying Leo Frank is innocent. And all these regular Jews, no, no, he's innocent. He's innocent. Going back a few months ago, last year, when the ADL got rid of the five community notes that we put up, all these regular Jews, left wing, right, no, he's innocent, it's anti-Semitism. They were regular Jews. They weren't evil protocols of Zion elder Jews. They were regular Jews arguing. How do you know? How do you know? The same talking points. The same platitudes, and it's the same with Israel and Palestine and Gaza and the Holocaust and October 7th. It's literally like they are a hive mind. I don't trust any of them. Not one. Not even my Jewish friend. I can't trust them. They're not doing the right thing. Jews have proven to me. To me. Maybe not to you, but to me. Jews have shown me they cannot be trusted to do the right thing. You say, well, what about the anti-Zionist Jews? Oh, don't even get me started with these people. These frauds. The anti-Zionist Jews can't be trusted either. And they've shown me exactly why. They want to be anti-Zionists 
in their own way, and you have to follow their way of anti-Zionism. If you don't, you're an anti-Semite, you know, that's a white Holocaust denier, mass murderer. That's what you are. Jews always want to control the frame of all points, whether it be the left wing or the right wing. Zionism, anti-Zionism is you pick a thing. They want to be ahead of the uh, in the front, controlling the narrative. And if you dare say, "Wait a minute, you're not even a fraction of humanity. How can you be in charge of all the narratives? You're an anti-Semite, Nazi, That's what they say. But the Jews have shown. And proven to me, they have no ability to maintain anything. In fact, all they do is destroy everything they touch. They cannot maintain, they destroy, they destroy and destroy with their paranoia. They create a problem that does not exist yet. They say, oh, we got to stop hate speech, even though there's no big issue. They create hate speech. Well, this is what it is now. Anytime you criticize a Jew with money, you're a Nazi. And that's hate speech. And if you think Soros has... So in other words, they attack things that are true, making a problem that wasn't there before. Then there's the Barbara Seistrand effect, and everyone starts realizing, wait a minute, why are they covering this up? Then there actually is more of this speech that they made up becoming a problem called hate speech, and then they push laws to stop hate speech, and then everyone hates them for it. They have shown me they're not worthy of any influence or power anywhere on this planet. Perhaps among themselves, what do I care? But among us, none. They cannot be trusted. So if you want, Not a single Jew on the planet can be trusted. And why should they? Why should a Jew, a fraction of humanity, only 16 to 20 million people on the planet, be in charge of any institutions anywhere? It shouldn't be possible mathematically. Amen, man. That is that is a good place to stop right there. Why are these vile, devil-worshipping, child-raping, uh, 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 subhuman pieces of shit, why, why have they metastasized into the hall, every hall of power possible, man. Fuck how, the Jew. Fuck how, the Jew. How how dare you? How dare you? I dare. Um, I dare. You know, this is the thing, and I'm sure Davis will agree. This actually reminds me of multiple conversations I've had with Davis, as well as, of course, his appearances on this fine show, some of the things he said. Um, I mean, and this guy, in my opinion, okay, and Davis can weigh in right after this, but he... He says it all. It's very succinct, very cogent, very pithy. That's the issue. It's kind of like this should be rebroadcast. This would be one of the TV shows if I was to take over in my imaginary dictatorship. I'm no longer satisfied with being president. I have to be a dictator. Um, there would just be propaganda for minimum of six months to a year where besides watching uh, National Socialist parades, you know, we just have to play clips like this over and over and over again to program as much as possible, all the whites and the other people that need to be reprogrammed about who it is we're dealing with. Yeah. Well, this is why I I said uh, I never really I never really critique him because even though he kind of he says everything right, it comes off like a bit of a lunkhead. But I think he's a good kind of transition, uh, not a gatekeeper, but a gateway to sort of. Uh, address the Jewish problem 
in the way we are. He's a gateway to that because I guess he's speaking to people who are still sort of in transition from, well, I still deal with Jews and I still... I still have Jewish friends. Like, you know, that's not me saying that. I don't. I would never go to a Jewish doctor. You're insane. But um, I even told Paul once, I was like, you know, Hitler had a Jewish, a Jewish doctor. But technically, I'm less anti-Semitic than Hitler. Or I should say I'm more anti-Semitic than Hitler because I would get rid of my Jewish doctor. I don't care how good he was. Because you can't be trusted. It's just what he's just one phone call away from giving you some poison when he should give you medicine. So that's insane. But, uh, yeah, this guy's still dealing with Jews like, oh, I'm insulted. It's like, what did you expect, bro? You shouldn't be talking to, dealing with. You must not. You must do everything you can to not rely on Jews in any way. That includes their, quote, unquote, friendship and support. What do you think you're going to get? I, I remember that. I remember that phone call, by the way. That was a funny line, uh, Giuseppe. When he, he tells me, he goes, technically, Hitler and me are more anti-Semitic. It's like, <laughs> yeah, Hitler's less anti-Semitic than I am. Yeah, um, I would never have a Jewish doctor. But it kind of reminds me to a little bit. I mean, obviously, we've all had Jewish friends and acquaintances, and a lot of them, you know, they're just, they don't know what the hell's going on. But there's going to be, when push comes to shove, an identification with their own, which is fine. I'll give them that, and they can have that all they want somewhere else, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, when I was reading um, The Rise and Fall of the uh, Third Reich for the second time, I just read it through again. And this goes back probably, I don't know, sometime in the 80s. I was in my late 20s or something like that i think but i had this um jewish girlfriend okay she was actually pretty good looking as a matter of fact but you know i was not totally jew aware i just liked you know all the um i just liked the history right Mm -hmm. but she saw that book and literally like she freaked out like a like a a vampire reacting to a cross (laughs) and you know and and she goes what the hell is that because i actually brought it to her house you know she had like she had like a little rental uh, rental bungalow in the Hollywood Hills, and you know I would I would I was living at the time in Santa Barbara, and I would drive down there uh, not every weekend, but quite a few weekends. Um, well, anyway, uh, I just go. It's it's just a book, you know. But of course, the cover, the jacket of it's got the big swastika. You know, if you have one of the good old ones from the '60s or whatever '60s or '70s, it had that black cover with the white circle and the swastika in the middle, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, and. I just thought it was a cool book, and I was, you know, I was just like, uh, you know, getting into the history. But, you know, to her, it was like, oh my god, please don't, you know, I don't want, I don't want to see that. Okay, okay. <laughs> you know. So Amazing. anyway, yes, reaction like a vampire to. Uh, but that, but by the way, that's a that's a funny story that I've never talked about on the air, and I just thought about that, like Paul. Right, <laughs> Paul from California, Northern Nevada. Paul had a Jewish girlfriend, and he was reading *Rise of All the Third Reich* and had the book in, in her living room on the coffee table. <laughs> it really happened. That's an awesome. What book was it, Paul? Tell me again. What book was it? The, *Rise and Fall of, of the Third of the Third Reich* by by Shire William Shire. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's hilarious because that's not even a obviously a no, pro. I- German book. I, I, yeah. No, no, I, I, I know, I know now. But it, it is interesting history, and I'm assuming there was some of the, um, the descriptions of the, uh, you know, it was mostly some of the, some political, but just a lot of the military, you know, sequence of events. I'm assuming there was a lot of um, accuracy there, and that was interesting from that fact. Sure, but he was a he was a Jew in Germany at the time, so he's got big, big axe to grind. Of right, course. which of course I didn't I didn't know at the time, you know. He, yeah, I know because he's lifted up as you know this sort of uh, this court historian. You want the true history? Go to William Shire. Yeah, okay. 
Right. No, I've, I have since heard and read many critiques of his work. And there are some really good books on World War II, and I've read a few of them. And it just, you know, there's an object lesson to be learned, right? And it's just you can't let him off the hook. It just reminds me of that great scene in Breaking Bad. And I, I don't know if you're familiar, Davis, but I'm sure Giuseppe saw the series. But, you know, where Mike Ehrmantraut is, is telling uh, the story. To, I believe he's telling it to Walt. About yeah. no more, no more half measures. Okay, like mm-hmm. he tells a story about how he gave some guy a break, and then later on, this guy, you know, the domestic violence case, and the guy later on killed his wife. And you know, at the time, you know, he says that he was considering just taking care of this guy. Okay, he had him out in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. and had a gun to his head, and he was basically going to just <clears throat> just take care of business. You know, eliminate the problem. And the guy was like begging and pleading and crying or whatever, saying, "Oh, he's got a daughter," and blah blah blah. And he let him, he let him live. And then, of course, what happened? And the same thing with with Lydia. I don't. Again, I'm sure if you're familiar with the series, Giuseppe. So he let he let Lydia live. Okay, after she was, you know, he he knew and he found out that she had put a hit out on him, right? And he just uh, again, you no more half measures. You know what's funny is I, I watched the first episode of that show and I was just wow that's probably the best first episode I ever saw but I've never gotten around to watch anymore but so many people have said it's such a phenomenal show. Yeah, oh, you won't really? It. Yeah, you won't. Fr- yeah, a friend of mine he binged, but he'd never heard of it. No, he, well, I think he'd heard of it, but he'd never seen a single episode. And I go, dude, and this was after it was already done, right? And he basically he binge watched the whole thing in like uh, two weekends, you know. <laughs> so yeah, but okay. So Davis, so then you do know what I'm referring to about no more half measures. And oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And that he let yeah. and that he let Lydia live after she had already put the fucking hit out on him, and he actually had to kill the guy that she sent to take him out. You know. Right. Well, and I think that might be a no women, no kids thing for Mike, actually. Uh, perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. but you can't. You can. Remember, he's he's written as the good guy, right? So. Yeah. So this is kind of reminds me too of World War Two, if you don't mind a little bit of mini ran here. When I was thinking about this the other day, and in in sort of connected with a, a football analogy, which I won't go into the details, but the Germans let England off the hook, and that's the biggest problem of the war. Okay, is they could have foreseen what was coming. Okay, they knew that the Jews were in control of England and America. It was the Anglo-American Empire that was basically enforcing the Jew world order, right? It was the Anglo-American, British-American Jews that were funding Russia, funding the Bolshevik Revolution, right? Arming and supplying all of Germany's and therefore all of Europe and all of a white, uh, the white gene pool's enemy, right? And they had the means at the time before the Battle of Britain, and even after the Battle of Britain, they, they, they thought that they needed air superiority, but they really didn't. They had enough air superiority, but they had the army, they had the navy at the time, they had the plan to do it. England would have been more or less prostate before Germany. Uh, the supply lines had been constantly interrupted by the wolf packs out there in the Atlantic, and they could have done what was needed to do. And the mistake that Hitler made is regarding England as brothers, comrades, cousins, you know, white racial kin. All that is true. And the, they didn't need to go in there and wipe out any population the way the Jews were going to do to Germany, the way they did to Russia already. They just needed to go in there and take over. They needed to, they needed to iron out England. And they could have done it. Okay. 
it was in place. And I've read multiple historical accounts of the fact that in terms of at that time, right, 1940, this is right after the fall of France, where Germany ironed out France in about two and a half to three weeks and lost 40,000 men in the process. Uh, people don't realize the losses that the Germans took to take France. Okay, about I think it was about 42 to 43,000 men killed in a three week period. Okay, but they still had plenty to go after that. So they had France ironed out. And why did they have to take care of France? Well, because England was landing an army in France. This is a historical lesson for all you boys and girls, all you young white nationals uh, out there listening. This is the lesson to be learned. Okay, as England had already shown they were your enemy because they had declared war on you with France, and they started landing an army in France, the British Expeditionary Force, and they had plans to land a million men. The Germans knew this, and they landed about seven hundred thousand men, the British Expeditionary Force in France. So Germany had to take care of France, and they did it. And now England is next. That's. That's the, the strategy that had to be applied because it was they could foresee they, they knew where this is going, that England would be used as a launching pad, a launching base for an invasion of Europe. So if they had taken care of that, there wasn't a thing that could be done. Russia was not going to do anything. They had the non-aggression pact. And one of the reasons that the Germans pursued the non-aggression pact, right, is because they didn't want to have to deal with Russia when they were going to take on the West. And they should have done it. The fact of the matter is, is they screwed up. No more half measures. You can't let Jews be in power in any major Western industrialized country. And now no, we're... Th that's go, such go a ahead. great point. Let me jump in for a second. Especially Please. if you factor in how Germany got bent over in the prison shower after World War One when they pretty much had it won. And then because of Jew chicanery and pulling in the U.S. and... Uh, and then the whole uh, 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 bad deal they were forced to take and then led to the Weimar government. So, yeah, man, you would have thought for sure they would have been acutely aware of not repeating that. Just wanted to jump in with that. Go ahead. Yeah, no, exactly. And for all you guys out there that maybe want to take note of something. Uh, so, again, I'm no scholar. I've read a few books on a lot of topics and on some topics I've read a lot of books. OK, but uh, it's, which is more than the average person. All right. So I've, I think I read two or maybe three books on World War One. But in my opinion, the one that had the most impact on me is the myth of the Great War, again, about World War One. And what the myth of the Great War was is that Germany lost. OK, because by 1916, that war was pretty much over. OK, the Germans had won almost all the major battles. They hadn't they had not lost an inch of territory. Uh, they they had superior weapons, superior artillery, uh, in most cases, superior tactics. And that's why in, at the time they started saying to England, hey, let's just go back to the way it was. Let's let's uh, you know, let's stop this. It doesn't make any sense anymore. And the Germans were not going to ask for reparations. And the bottom line is they had a I mean, they were forced to spend, you know, uh, to to expend all kinds of money and munitions and, and blood and sacrifice just to defend themselves, basically, right? So, yeah, and then what happened? Of course, we all know the great betrayal of the United States came in on the side of England and the Balfour Declaration and blah, 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 blah. But, yeah, going back to World War II, again, it should have been obvious, but the thing is, is it's funny to say this, right? But the Nazis weren't really Nazis, okay? They were too kind. All right. And I would have been in favor of it. I mean, as a kid growing up and as a young man, fascinated, fascinated by that period in history 
and, and liking uh, the imagery I saw on the History Channel. I mean, the bottom line is before I knew anything about Jews, Uh-oh. <laughs> purpose, purpose, and, and, and if they wanted to conquer the world, I was all good with that. Go ahead. Yeah. You start to say something, Giuseppe? Oh, you dropped off for a minute, but you were back. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know why that happens, but it does periodically. I'm still connected and everything, but every now and then I get a reverb and then maybe a brief drop-off. But, but, the, but the point being, and by the way, I came across a really cool book, and I was telling Giuseppe this on a phone call. It's called Operation Sea Lion. It was, I was actually up in um, Victoria, British Columbia, just a little uh, you know, a mini vacation, and there was this old bookstore, and I walked in there, and there's this really cool book okay, called Operation Sea Lion with a great cover jacket showing Hitler and the, and the general staff looking over these maps. And it was about the German plan. They were well-developed plans to invade England. And I also still remember, you know, you meet people in, throughout your life and they tell you stories. And I actually met a guy, one of my clients, so he was in the Battle of the Bulge, actually. It was quite interesting. A German guy living here in the Bay Area. But I also met this guy, an American serviceman, who told me that he saw with his own eyes in these marshlands in France, these abandoned uh, boats that Germans had built for the purpose of skimming across the channel. They were like these large, wide, shallow, kind of flat bottom boats like you see for the Everglades, right? And they were uh, they were powered by these big, powerful, I think he said, if I'm not mistaken, that BMW or whatever was making the engines, but uh, they were they were fast, okay, large, powerful, and they were meant for taking lots of men and equipment quickly over the channel to land in England. And he saw that these things were abandoned, uh, like I said, in these marshlands of France. So the Germans had started to plan and, and construct equipment for and had well uh, made, um, you know, logistical, uh, like I said, plans for invading England. And God damn it, they, they should have done it. They should have done, done it. It could have been a different world. And also atomic science, not to mention, by the way, that was that program was slowed by the Nazis because they thought it insane. They, they heard the potential and were like, this is, no one's going to do this. This is crazy. Well, well you know, he thought you too know, highly he, of his enemies, unfortunately. And Eustace Mullins referred to it as the Jewish hell bomb. The first time I ever heard that term was Eustace Mullins saying the Jewish hell bomb. Yeah. And of course, he didn't dispatch lots of chemical warfare that he had because he too thought, well, that's over the top. I've experienced mustard gas and there's nothing, there's nothing honorable about mustard gassing your enemy. So he didn't dispatch the mustard gas he should have done it but of well course and, and i and i would support that position uh, to be honest and if i really believed in nuclear weapons which is a whole other story but i don't really totally believe in them anymore i get it. assuming what's what's yeah but I, I would be opposed to that too because the germans could have done they could have just gone and take on over the government just like right now we, we know it's all bullshit with the whole ukraine thing because the russian could just go and take over and topple the ukrainian government find those people you tell me right now i mean we can we can fire a drone missile up a like a, a muhajin uh, muhajidin uh, i'm not pronouncing it right but we can one, one of their one of their caves right we could do so you tell me the russians cannot go find these ukrainian officials find the ukrainian government and like grab them imprison them kidnap them kill them whatever and end this thing they could yeah, well, I've got to bring it back to um, Hitler's main problem, If uh, and I'll anchor this in just a couple of books real quick um, for the folks who might actually go out and get some. You need to get these books because there's some pretty priceless uh, quotes in there like that um, that uh, 
a certain people book. Just go to page 350, show that to everyone you know. Um, likewise, Hitler was too soft on his uh, on the uh, aristocratic uh, nobility of of Germany. Of course, he created the Third Reich, but he left them around in these stations of high esteem because they had once been great in many Germans' eyes, you see. So he didn't... I think he. I think he knew that they were sort of double dealing behind his back. They were lending support to enemies. A lot of them were funding communists to come in and attempt to destabilize early uh, Germany in 1933, the early Reich. And he knew all this, but he thought like, okay, well, we'll smack this down and defeat it. But he didn't know that they'd be willing to use every last dime they had to subvert the Germany that Hitler made because he didn't just hand them the keys. See what these nobility expected Hitler to do was to, uh, is to use their support to win. And then Hitler would just hand them the key to Germany. Here you go. You're back in charge. Now, why would anyone do that? Obviously they should have thought better of Hitler, but Hitler should have killed every last one of these old nobility. Uh, maybe he should have made it look like someone else killed them. I don't really care, but he should have killed them all because then he wouldn't have, uh, the back door through which funds were exiting Germany to go support subversive movements. And nor would they have had a channel of information in and out of Germany to, uh, to send the allies. And this is what many of the uh, nobles were doing. And just to illustrate some of the problem with Jews in early Germany and why Hitler would keep these nobles around thinking like, well, these are Kaisers and families of Kaisers. So these were once great men. I'll keep them around. I'm not going to kill these men. That would be dishonorable. Well, according to Cecil, there's a book called Wilhelm II. Wilhelm II in volume two, both volumes are great, but this particular volume on page 57 has uh, this quote by uh, the author Cecil, researched uh the memoirs of wilhelm wilhelm uh and i quote now believed that jews were perversely responsible for encouraging opposition to his rule okay so now hitler knows this history he's thinking like well okay so anyone related to wilhelm is cool and then in a letter to a friend the kaiser wrote and this is from a book called um uh indiscret oh no this is from the kaiser and his court by roll and this is on page 210 uh, the Kaiser wrote, the Hebrew race are my most inveterate enemies at home and abroad. They remain what they are and always were, the forgers of lies and the masterminds of governing unrest, revolution, upheaval by spreading infamy with the help of their poisoned, caustic, satiric spirit. And that's in the book called The Kaiser and His Court on page 210 that's another one you want to get and um and let's not forget townley i read you lady townley's uh quote once paul where this is basically the wife of a dignitary so she's constantly at the table with a long cigarette just sort of listening to these men opine and then she'd go home and write her diary like women do and she relates in her 1922 diary on page 45 called the indiscretions of lady susan it's called that it's not a sexual thing it's called indiscretions of lady susan because as a dignitary's wife i don't believe she's supposed to be writing this all down <laughs> okay anyway so on page 45 from this 1922 book she relates the comment of the jews are the curse of my country they keep my people poor and in their clutches in every small village in germany sits a dirty jew like a spider drawing the people into the web of usury he lends money to small farmers 
on the security of their land, and so gradually acquires control of everything. The Jews are the parasites of my empire. And then he adds that the Jewish question is one of his, and I quote, great problems, but one in which nothing can be done to cope with it. And then, of course, uh, with Hitler moving to clean up Europe uh, later, this was not 1922 anymore. This is now 1928, uh, when the rumblings of the early putsches were happening. He said, the Jews are being thrust out of nefarious positions in all countries whom they have driven to hostility for centuries. So, of course, Hitler, knowing this history better than me, just from three books, he, of course, would leave these people and these families around. But he didn't understand that uh, they would take the ruling of Germany by Hitler personally and think that Hitler should have just handed them the keys because, after all, they're the elite. They're the leadership. They're the noblemen. They're the Kaiser's family. They deserve to run Germany. Well, except that you didn't do the work, and nor would you have dared to say this anywhere but at a table full of dignitaries. So, no, you were not the men for the job. So that's Cecil Wilhelm II, page 57, Townley, Indiscretions of Lady Susan, and then Kaiser and His Court by Roll. Great books to get. If you really want to read what the early German before Hitler, Germans knew about kikes. Boy, did they. Damn. As a, a black person would say, Look at you getting all academic and shit, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you listeners, you get treated here. We're not just, uh, you know, base white nationalists. We are actually intellects. You're getting you're getting the full treatment here. The academic, the scholastic and the blue collar knuckle dragon hate as well. Yeah, I like blue collar lunkheadism. Absolutely. <laughs> I do it most of the time. I judge most things. Yeah. But again, you know, the, the lesson, the lessons from history, it's like, will we ever learn? Right. I mean, uh, 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 this line sticks in my head. I think, was it Luther who said the Jews in their counting houses? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, he had their freaking number, which is obviously why he's been demonized. And that in that great Academy Award winning picture, you just covered all the bases, right? The mm-hmm. the. the the complete the debauching and corruption of beautiful young German maidens, and of course the the taxing uh, and and raping of the of the peasants and their income, inflation in the marketplace, uh, you know foreign uh, intrigue, uh, you know you you name it. It's just like all right there for you to see, and it's like most Americans that are stupid by design in most cases, but we just don't have any history of culture. It's like watching as I did. I didn't watch all of it, but I may watch more, but the interview with Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin, it was clear. Okay. That Tucker Carlson as articulate and educated as he is, was a mere schoolboy to Putin and his, uh, basically his, his culture, his knowledge of history and Mm -hmm. essentially his, you know, uh, his position. No, it's correct. Yeah, obviously. And and Tucker was, of course, in a uh, a bit of a position there because he's supposed to be making entertaining content. But at the beginning, Putin was wise enough to ask him, are we having a conversation? Are we doing a show? Because I know a show, I'm supposed to give these pithy kind of sound bites that then can be deconstructed by Jew media, uh, you know, across across the uh across the sea there and he he knew that that would be the wrong game to play because he's been doing that for years it gets him nowhere so he decided to lay out what he i'm I'm sure there's a lot of by the way i'm sure there's a lot of mythology and all that history he was giving so what um 
they have more of a right to Ukraine than kikes do. I'll tell you that. Right. Yeah. Totally agree. Well, it's an honor to be uh, doing a weekly show with a couple of edumacated men. So thanks, dudes, for doing what you do. With so, with, with footnotes as well, too. Just yeah, so you know. footnotes. Yeah, <laughs> audio yeah. oral mm-hmm. o r a l footnotes. That's hey, right. Yeah. I wanted to bring up Paul because uh, we talked about the Super Bowl earlier. The total woke bullshit of uh, did you see those commercials where they had uh, e- every uh, every satanic flavor of uh, the phony Christianity, which is really worshiping the Church of Lucifer and mm-hmm. worshiping the devil, and they had uh, washing the feet of these faggots. Oh God, yeah, exactly. In fact, uh, the two guys I was with, they were both Catholic. The one I had just attended Catholic uh, Latin mass with that. I hadn't been to mass in forever and he wanted me to go. So I just went to humor him. He's always trying to save my soul. God bless him. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. And that's Somebody the other needs thing. To. His friend. Okay. I had met this guy before and he's just adult. I mean, this is the problem <laughs> I have, whether they're Christians or Catholics, there's just so much ignorance amongst these people, even though they're well-intentioned and they're well-meaning. Right. But I, I've gone back and forth with my friend so many times about, no, that we really should try to convert Jews. Uh, no, we shouldn't try to convert them. And how would we know if they're actually converted? You know, it's like, it's just so insane. But they both commented on it when they saw that commercial. They said, oh, it's just more of a of, a, of an attack, a, per, a perversion of, you know, mm. it's like an attack on Christianity. They're mocking this idea. And, of course, uh, we all saw, as you did, Giuseppe, right, basically every commercial had to have at least one or more blacks in it. And then we also – they're remaking all the movies. I can't wait for them to remake uh, Citizen Kane or or Casablanca with, like, an all-black cast. Right, right. It's so ridiculous. (laughs) And I just want to read a quote, you know, about Mm -hmm. converting the vile – synagogue of satan children of the devil kikes martin luther who was an incredibly bright and religious christian tried for 40 years to convert the kike and and reason with them and and finally when he wrote after 40 years of frustration in 1526 on the jews and their lies which i think we all need to be like brother martin and he's open quote first their synagogue should be set on fire Jewish prayer books should be destroyed and rabbis forbidden to preach. The homes of Jews should likewise be smashed and destroyed and their residents put under one roof or in a stable like gypsies to teach them they are not master in our land. Amen, Brother Martin. Amen. God, can you imagine that as a political platform too? Fantastic. Uh, Yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, with lots of fair warning, like get the fuck out. And and that's the other thing about the phone is a quick little mini rant here that I get pissed because of, you know, not to indict our good friend Jim Fetzer, but all of that crowd, all that ilk that thinks like Trump is any percentage of real. Right. Where, look, I've made this point over and over and I swear to God, I believe it. If Trump was to go full, you know, uh, 4chan based. Right. And start naming the Jew. In my opinion, he would be more popular than ever. Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. People absolutely. are waiting for this. Everybody knows. I said on his show one time about okay, you know, he's talking about well, maybe Tucker Carlson or maybe these other people they really don't know. I said, look, you got sixteen year olds on 4chan, they know. Okay. You got crowds and cities across the world when this whole 
October 7th, Israel genocide, Gaza genocide began. Crowds were chanting, gas the Jew in different cities. It's like people know. That's why any politician who doesn't tell the truth, who doesn't name the Jew, cannot be trusted, period. 100%. But the Jews are so hardened that they listen to nothing, though overcome by testimonies, they yield not an inch. It is a pernicious race, oppressing all men by their usury and repine. If they give a prince or magistrate a thousand florins, they extort 20,000 from the subjects in payment. We must ever keep on guard against them. That's also from the great Martin Luther. Right. And of course, uh, you know, and that, and that uh, lady, whatever her name was, uh, the, the woman, right? So yeah. she knew back then a woman. And yet, you know, you have a guy like RFK Jr. when asked about this, uh, this troublesome, you know, Israeli influence in our government, sits there in silence like a deer in the headlight yeah. fag. Well, a couple months earlier, he went to uh, New York and was all but given uh, this kike a hand job. You know, he was wrapping himself in the uh, Israeli Remfen f flag, and this kike was, oh, Bobby Kennedy lo loves the Jews. Bobby loves the Jews. And it's like, oh, my, that I knew right then that Kennedy wasn't the guy. So. Yeah. He's well, not. No, no. That, that voice, let's face it, I said a long time ago, it's just too much to take. You can't have that voice. It yeah. sounds like he's doing right. a, a, a elderly Catherine Hepburn imitation. Well, yeah, I mean, what I, my point is, if he was saying everything right that we wanted him to, we would still regret that it was him because every time he spoke, people would be like trying to retune the dial on the radio, like, wow, oh, this is coming in weird. Yeah, <laughs> no one can yeah. understand the guy. I, I know he sounds better, but it really is just an awful delivery. I don't know why he's in it except to do the Ross Perot fracturing vote thing. Uh, I don't know what he's about, except maybe a higher profile, maybe another book's coming out. That's usually what it's about. Well, he's he's about full full accountability and safe and effective vaccines. Oh, basically. brother. We've heard him say that. Yeah, on a subsequent episode, Giuseppe, we'll have to play a couple of clips, and then we'll, we'll firing squad him and get rid of him. We need to send, yeah, send him a tube of Vagisil while we're sending the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The funny thing is, is he's pretty much admitted that uh, the uh, uh, a vaccine uh, fucked his voice up and destroyed it, ate away at his vocal cords. So, oh, is that so? I yeah, not yeah, know he, that. I, I I've heard clips of him saying that. Yep. Oh my or gosh, that's yeah, crazy! Yeah. Wow, wow. Yeah, it just reminds me. I think Dell <laughs> Victory more of a past than RFK Jr. because RFK Jr. has been involved in this research and this these lawsuits, right? Mm -hmm. But I mean, Dell Bigtree, you know, and I'm not sure if he's still doing it, but oh, I'm not anti-vax, to be honest with you. To say I'm not anti-vax is similar to, oh, I'm not a racist. And they are, they're down the list on the firing squad list. I mean, up at the front of the list is all the people that took a knee for Black Lives Matter or that, you know, went on the apology tour. Those, they would be first. Oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, yeah, I was about to give one of the one of the precepts, um, which I did finish, by the way, I'm, I'm re-editing before I send it out for Floppa and everyone else. But uh, one of the big precepts of perception management is if you're explaining, you're losing. So as soon as you say, well, I'm not a race, you see, you've just fell into it. Now you're on the back foot. You should just say so and what or ask if you must, if you must not sort of just ex embrace it and move forward. You say something like, uh, 
well, how are you defined racist? It sounds pretty broad. You know, whatever. You put them on the back foot or you moralize and say, you call everything racist that you don't like. You just call it right out. Yeah. So anyone who's doing that, you know, they're not for you. Anyone who requires a weekly subscription of Agisil by saying, well, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm, I'm not a racist. Well, you're not for what's, us, Jack. What's with the Vagisil? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they run around with their manginas. <laughs> they I've, got I've, heard, I've heard of it. I'm not sure what it's for. Sounds pretty fishy. To I don't me. know exactly either, but it's something <laughs> with, with itchy, smelly vaginas. <laughs> I know that these, you know, like Richard Carey definitely has a smelly taint. I don't know if he's got a definite <laughs> vagina. <laughs> oh, no. Please he's got a be... smelly taint and uh, a man. If, <laughs> if he hears this show, I'm going to get texted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, can you imagine? I called out John Cage earlier. Yeah, okay. Well, Lucas Cage, whatever he calls himself. But speaking, of, <laughs> speaking, speaking about explaining or apologizing, though, this reminds me of what I, I – I had a conversation yesterday with my friend. Um, this is a true story, and I'm, it's one of these moments I'm proud of. You know, it's during the whole mask thing, right? There, I only had two opportunities to respond to people that's like, "Oh, you don't care about other people." That general thing, and I, again, the specifics I couldn't really tell you, but they were along those lines, right? And one of them was in this Ace Hardware store in Los Gatos, and the only reason I went there <clears throat> is because my buddy told me. <clears throat> pardon me what a hassle he got into with the mask and how they were super aggressive there. So <clears throat> I just, I just had to go there. Uh, you know, I didn't need anything from the store, but I, I just, I just wanted to go in and cause trouble. Right. So I walked in there without a mask and boy, I'm telling you, it was an episode. I mean, I was surrounded by first four and then five employees, including the owner himself that were preventing me from walking down the aisles. Right. And then a couple wow. of cu customers join in. I, th I think they were, if I recall, they're both women, right? But I literally, if you can picture this, this is absolutely the way it went down when I sort of made my way to this particular point in the store near the counter on the way near the front door, is I was surrounded in almost a complete circle. There was a little bit of room to come out of the circle, but literally there's four or five people in this circle around me trying to basically prevent me from doing anything going anywhere in the store they just asking me to leave and they were all i was looking at them all and all their eyes were hating on me you could just see somebody's eyes they just have contempt they got anger and aggression for you and hate they're behind their mask they all had mask on and i looked in their eyes and they're all hating on me and i gotta admit it was, it was fucking beautiful and this one woman you know she goes oh you don't care about other people you don't care if you get blah, blah. i go you're right that's like, right that's I said, right. if I could give you COVID, I would do it. But unfortunately, <laughs> I go, I can't. It doesn't even exist. But I wish it did because then you could all get it and die. And I mm, only have opportunity. Yeah, in, a, in yeah. a year and a half or so <laughs> of, of this nonsense, this weird mask madness that I experienced in all these stores, I only had two opportunities to say something like that. And I swear to everybody listening, I did. I said it, and I felt good about it. If I could give you COVID, I would do it. So yes, I'm a racist. I'm a Nazi. Right. Thank you very yeah. much. Can I have can I have uh, two uh, two creams in my coffee, please? Oh, we have real cream, not the fake cream, by the way. <laughs> you're you're a Nazi. You're a Nazi. Uh, yes. Next. Yeah. Okay. Next. And you know this is what shuts them down the best. Yeah. And uh, do you have a do you have a point? What's going on here? Yeah, and I think the very first time I was called a Nazi was in the 80s. And, of course, I was not awake then. I didn't know anything. But I had a Jewish customer who stiffed me 
you know, uh, and I said to her, and her, her, her name to this day, she's probably gone now, so maybe members of her family will remember, Eleanor Weinberg, okay, Eleanor Weinberg, we had mm-hmm. agreed to do, I had agreed to do something for $75 when I came to collect the bill, she wrote me a check for 50 and she goes, I'm going to give you less than what we talked about, because I really don't think that it was really worth it. And I just, oh, kinda, no, really? I swear to God, yeah. And I smiled and I looked at her and I looked at the check. I go, let me ask you a question. And she goes, yes. I go, are you Jewish? And of course, I knew she was, right? <laughs> and, and you know, and I knew, I knew enough about, at the time, about the Jews and all the stereotypes, many of which were, of course, true. And I just said it for that particular purpose. Like, I knew, you know, are you Jewish? And she looks at me and I swear to God, her eyes got super big. Right. She literally was not faking this act, the reaction. She looks at me, she goes, oh, yeah, literally she, super wide eyed. And, and she actually said to me, oh, you Nazi bastard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you know what? Uh, I'm going to do a half the uh, glass half full thing here now. Um, now, remember walking around with the masks and all these uh, petty tyrants had the opportunity to call out Paul and everyone else who walked around a store without a mask. But did you see how zealous they were in insisting on compliance, right? Mm-hmm. This is this is the glass half full. All that means is if the right people got in power and gave the right messaging, these same people would have a totalitarian impulse to do the right thing instead of the wrong thing. This is very good news. And the fact that exactly. our totalitarian impulse matches the neurotic paranoia response of the Jew is really good news because the Jew may call you a Nazi, but the uh, the average workaday white will react in a knee-jerk totalitarian impulse fashion and insist on compliance from everyone in that store about a mask. Well, the same can be done with any messaging. You just repeat it enough, or as my grandfather would say, you fly any shit up a flagpole long enough, pretty soon everyone's saluting. So that's all it comes down to. We've got to stop getting over this idea of, like, we need better ideas and notions. No, no, no. I don't even care if the quote-unquote narratives we present are true. I don't care if they're true. I care if they work. I know that sounds to people, how do we know what he's saying is true? I tell you what I think, but I'm t- I will also tell you if I think a different messaging were important, I think we ought to go that route. You know, the idea of, frankly, like waiting to eject Asians would be along that path. Like, oh, so you so you love the Asians? No, that's not what I said. What I said was, as far as messaging goes and strategic purposes, just uh, put them last on the list, you know. Well, and it's important. And again, sorry to we're we're hogging your whole show just up because both of us are just going back and forth. No, no, this is great. I I do so many shows. I I welcome co-hosts and guests uh, to uh, go off. I've have I've had plenty to say over the last four years. So this is excellent. So uh, I will get to the uh, the importance of what and to reinforce uh, one of the main points that uh, what Davis just said. But first, I want to address my my policy on Asians. Of course, now you know we need to get rid of them all. Okay. But however, the ones that we keep here definitely cannot own property. Most of them will be kept outside of city limits in camps where they could do laundry. And then we'd also have like a, a camp for breaking the rocks for like crushed gravel for the roads and railroads. <laughs> so that we you know we put use to, good use to for the Asian population. But anyway, no, the importance of what Davis has said, and he and I have had phone conversations about this as well. And this is why I believe that I'm not insane and that I think that we can win because there's always the factor, and we've all experienced in our lives, whether it's at a workplace 
or at school and gym class or wherever it is, there's always that guy, okay, that nobody's going to fuck with, okay? Yes. And he he didn't have to do anything or say anything. He's got that look, you know? Yep. He's, he's got that build. He's got that look. Like, nobody messes with that guy. Right. And see, here's the thing. It's like, this is one of the reasons why I I, I rue the fact that it's that uh, NGP is no more and, and so forth is because what I heard on a couple of their shows, uh, I heard this phrase, including one time Warren Balog actually used this phrase, when we take power. Okay. Right. Now, of course, it's just you're saying it, but I think that even it's important to think it and to say that and, because you can literally will that sort of thing into existence. In other words, triumph of the will, right? Right. Because the strong are the ones that will rule, okay? The ones that are the most ruthless and the toughest or have the plan, okay? Now, we know that this is true because the people today with the plan with the racial cohesion and cooperation, with the strength to do what it is they're doing to us, they're the ones that are winning, and we're talking about it. And like I said, we could become, the, you know, there's enough of us still, in my opinion, that we could become that small core group where people are not going to mess with, and everybody else is just going to be, like Davis said, compliant and or a spectator. Most people are not going to do shit. We've all seen this in real life, Okay. There's only a few people are the ones that need to take the action, the action, everybody, everybody along. Well, I was actually making a different point, but yeah, your point is well taken. I was making the point that you will, you can, through messaging, reach a saturation point where most people will be doing the right thing. They will gleefully do it. They will, in a knee jerk fashion, begin to respond to the messaging you give. And it'll be about kicking niggers out of stores instead of wearing a mask. They will. All it takes is the right messaging is my point. And I'm, I'm not saying it just needs a few guys. Uh, those those guys with a presence certainly make a difference. In fact, there's a little, uh, you know, there were uh, uh, in the 60s and 70s, lots of books detailing these like putting Hitler on the couch, detailing these psychological observations of of Hitler postmortem and um, or, you know, in absentia or whatever. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, I remember reading when I was very young, I read one of these and it was all about how he's just this genocidal lunatic with a, a Oedipal complex. He wanted to have sex with his mom and he did have sex with his cousin and all these lies. And he had one testicle and all the lies, all the Jew lies. Right. Uh, but in there, I remember reading a passage and this must have been uh, my first sort of inkling of a wake up call about Kikes, because did you know that in World War One, uh, Hitler had a dog? He, like, had a dog. He took this dog in. He would give him uh, portions of his own food to so eat less, literally, when provisions were at a premium. He would eat less to feed this dog. And the Jews were calling Hitler insane because Hitler shared his food with a dog, and he threatened his fellow military men because when resources got scarce, Hitler threatened the men, telling them, if you so much as harm a hair on this dog's head, I will kill you in your sleep. That's okay, because awesome. so, they were going to eat his dog. Okay, I, you can I see never, pictures of I never heard, this, dog. Is, this is fascinating. Where did yeah, you this find awesome. this? Yeah, yeah. Where did you? Uh, this I will find the book because there's three. There's three big books that do the psychological recounting of Hitler, mm -hmm. and they put him on the couch for this. They're like, look at this lunatic killing someone over a dog, and uh, wow. you can see pictures of Hitler with his dog, and uh, he would, you know, go fight. And when he was done fighting, he'd come back, and there would be his dog. Because I, I make the point because I believe. 
despite Hitler not being a large guy per se, he was like a normal height. I believe Hitler was five ten and a half or something. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitler had a presence about him that when he said something, people knew to take it very fucking seriously. You know what I mean? He was that kind of guy. Like he didn't have to scream and yell is the recounting of it as the person who was threatened and recounting this in his diary. And then the Jew finds it, puts him on the couch and calls him insane for defending a dog. And what is he crazy? Giving his dog some food foods at a premium at war. Um, that made me and everyone else I know who would read that like, Oh, it seems like Hitler's a pretty great guy taking care of this dog and making sure the dog is going to make it through the war. And, uh, and Hitler well, also knew that if he died in a trench, they'd eat his dog. Yeah. No, in fact, uh, I'll, I'll just briefly address uh, quickly uh, what you said about uh, uh, the point that both you and I were making. But yeah, absolutely, they're in, in con- concordance. But yeah, uh, going down the dog. So we're all, we all have dogs or have had dogs here. And so we're all dog people. And this is absolutely true. When I got my, when I got my boy back in uh, 2011 and I rescued him from the shelter, uh, I said to him, literally, it's so so cool because it's the way I felt, right? When he got in the car, I said, "Okay, buddy, it's me and you. If I eat, you eat," and and I and I meant it. You That's know, like and Hitler was enlightened. You're enlightened, and and uh, we're coming to the end of the show. But anyone who doesn't understand the truly divine, unconditional love between a man, a woman, and their pets re- doesn't understand doesn't spirituality, doesn't understand what's really love, instead of this kumbaya commie bullshit where these faggots...